Good morning and happy Sunday church family. It's always so good to be with you on another Sunday morning service and so I praise God for every single one of you. I want to uh, thank you for joining us for those of you that are joining online and for those of you that will be listening to this message in the future even via podcast or YouTube channel or whatever that case may be but um, I'm just super happy to be with you this morning. Um, I'm going to just preface this uh, message today by saying that I would love for you to share it with your friends and your family to get the word out. Um, and really that's the reason why uh, I always encourage people to subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our podcast and all that stuff. What I want to do is get the word out, right? We want to make sure that people understand the word of God, that people come to Christ through Word of Faith Global Ministries and to God be the glory for that. Amen. So I appreciate so much of you that have done so and um, and are continuing to share uh, these messages. What a great month we've had so far. Uh, we've entered into the beautiful fall seasons and uh, this series that we've been on on perspective, the, entitled, the title of our series has been Perspective. It's been really really good we had uh, pastor ricky kick it off at the beginning of the month and then uh, pastor ricky jr and pastor ricky last uh, senior last week again and my goodness uh, it is just it's so i love to see how the holy spirit works in each of uh, his people right of, of god's people and how we get different perspective different uh, views um, and uh, of course never swaying away from the Word of God so I just praise God for those messages and for God using us in such a powerful way I encourage you if you haven't yet listened to any of the messages that have been given thus far this month on perspective I urge you to go back and catch up on listening on the listening to those messages because they will uh, just encourage you and they'll impact your life in a wonderful way. So today I'm actually bringing part four of this series uh, entitled Perspective. And you can say that today may be a little bit on the lines of a teaching uh, rather than a necessary a sermon like you would normally hear just because I'm going to bring some teaching elements into the message today but you know the preacher in me will probably come out at some point in time hallelujah can you say amen to that um, and so I want to get right into it this morning so for those of you that are sitting at our church uh, there at Word of Faith Global Ministries go ahead and turn into uh, the Word of God and open up in the book of Matthew chapter number 16 and for those of you that are watching online if you uh, have your Bibles with you or your iPads or your phone turn to Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to read very short verses from 13 through 20 and I'm going to be reading from the ESV version and I'm going to dive right into it this morning and it says here <clears throat> now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say that the Son of Man is and they said some say John the Baptist others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16 says, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son 
of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Hallelujah. We just read uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 20 for those of you that may have missed the um, scripture verses that we just read. I want to give you the title that I gave the message today. It's a little long, but this is how the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. And for those of you that may want to write some notes, the title of today's message is A Glimpse into the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. A Glimpse into the Supernatural Worldview of the Bible. Are you ready? Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much once again for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I thank you, God, that you have chosen this vessel of yours to bring forth the message that you've instilled in my heart for your people for such a time as this. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will open up our eyes, that you'll open up our minds, that you'll open up our hearts, and that this message would uh, be received and that this message would fall on good soil and produce much, much fruit. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. And Lord, you receive all of the glory and all of the honor. And it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. And we say, Amen and Amen. Well, the scripture we just read are basically some of the most well-known verses in the Bible. If you've been a Christian long enough, you are very familiar with Matthew 16. You're very familiar, obviously, with the Word. But in particular, these uh, verses that we just read. Um, so what we're going to do today is dig a little deeper into the words of Jesus to decipher the profound impact that his words had, not only for his disciples at that time in that day, but for us today as well. But his words <clears throat> had an enormous impact in the spiritual realm as well not just the natural not just who he who his audience was at the time but Jesus is not only speaking in in future in other words for us believers in future generations but he is also impacting the spiritual realm as well and that's what we're going to be discussing today now, one has to look at the words printed in the Bible from the angle of the spiritual realm, not just the natural, and from the perspective of those that, that uh, these words were being said to. If we fail to do that, we fail to fully comprehend the meaning and the depth of some of the things that God instructed from Old Testament scripture verses and and <clears throat> as well as New Testament, what Jesus did, what he said, 
and and of that sort so we really have to look deep into the portion or the angle if you will of the supernatural and the spiritual realm not just the natural because they really go hand in hand okay um, see they at that time they had an advantage because they lived in the culture of their day much like today we're very familiar with our own culture and say many years in the future people will not understand our culture of our day because they didn't live it just like we don't understand so much the culture of their day and that's why it's crucial for us to study that and study scripture amen so as I said before sometimes we have to remove our modern way of thinking and put ourselves in ancient times to gain a better understanding ie what the culture was like who were the gods that pagans worshipped and so on <clears throat> as well and when you dig a little deeper you will find that in several instances phrases such as sons of God that we have we read throughout scripture doesn't always refer to people to humans but to divine beings what makes Jesus unique is that he is not a created being he was with Yahweh from the beginning and took part in creation now here's a sidebar and a little nugget for you that I want to read to you from Dr. Michael Heiser and he explains it best in his book The Unseen Realm. He writes the following and I quote, readers of Psalm 82 often raise a specific question about Jesus. If there are other divine sons of God, what do we make of the description of Jesus as the only begotten son of God? John and he uh, gives scripture references here which we're not going to read but you can jot them down as I re read them out uh, to you but John uh, 1 14 uh, John 18 um, uh, John uh, 1 18 John 3 16 uh, John 3 18 then there's first John uh, 4 and 9 okay and he goes on to say here how could Jesus be the only divine son when there were others we read throughout scripture the phrase sons of God so these are deities these are divine beings it goes on to say only begotten okay the phrase only begotten is an unfortunately confusing translation especially to modern ears not only does the translation only begotten seem to contradict the obvious statements in the Old Testament about other sons of God, it implies that there was a time when the Son, capital S, Jesus, did not exist, that he had a beginning. The Greek word translated by this phrase is monogenes, monogenes. It doesn't mean only begotten in some sort of birthing sense okay the confusion extends from an old misunderstanding of the root of the Greek word for years monogenes was thought to have derived from two Greek terms monos which is only and geneo which is to beget or to bear Greek scholars later discovered that the second part of the word monogenes does not come from the Greek verb, verb geneo, but rather from the noun 
genos, genos, which is class, kind. The term literally means one of a kind or unique without connotation of created origin. Consequently, since Jesus is indeed identified with Yahweh and is therefore with Yahweh, unique among, among the Elohim that served God, the term monogenes does not contradict the Old Testament language. So I really like, in a nutshell, he's basically saying that <clears throat> Jesus was uh, or is, I should say, because it's present tense, unique, okay? So uh, only begotten is a little bit of a, of a confusing, confusing translation, and it may give a connotation of Jesus not uh, having a, an existence and then being created, which is not the case. So with that in mind, let's circle then back to Matthew 16, the verses that we just read. And we're going to kind of go through some of this, um, dissecting some of this so that we can uh, glean some from what we just read. So some interpret these verses to mean that Peter was given the keys of the pearly gates and he's the one to let you into heaven or reject you. How many of you have grown up with that concept and with that belief system that, you know, and there's jokes all around about, you know, Peter being the one there at the pearly gates and he sees you come, you know, the when you when you pass away and, you know, he can tell you whether you can go in through the pearly gates or not. Um, that is not the case. Yes, Peter boldly claimed that Jesus is the son of the living God and Jesus rewards him by changing his name from Simon to Peter. Of these verses, the Bible, the Believer's Bible Commentary, which I like to use as crap, as, as, uh, I like to take away from some of those quotes because they're really impactful many times and they do really shed some light on some of these verses, but it sheds light on this one as well. It says the following, and I quote, Our Lord pronounced a blessing on Simon, son of Jonah. That's what Barjona means, son of Jonah. The fishermen had not arrived at this concept of the Lord Jesus through intellect or native wisdom. It had been supernaturally revealed to him by God the Father. You see why we have to understand the supernatural aspect of the Bible? It was revealed to him supernaturally. And you know, when we go back to you know, reading some of, the, some of the stories of the Word of God, my goodness, were they not supernatural events that took place? The supernatural hand of God was on that right so we read that from you know uh the creation from you know moses and noah and david and dan i mean supernatural we see supernatural everywhere so we got to keep our eyes on that and it says here but the son had something important to say to peter also so jesus added and i also say to you that you are peter and on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hades shall not prevail against it we all know that more controversy uh, has swirled around this verse than almost any other verse in the gospel. The question is, who or what is the rock? Part of the problem arises from the fact that the Greek words of Peter and for rock are similar, but the meanings are different. The first, Petros, means a stone or loose rock. The second, Petra, means rock, such as a rocky ledge. So what Jesus really said was, you are Peter, 
stone and on this rock I will build my church. He did not say he would build his church on a stone but on a rock. If Peter is not the rock, then what is it? If we stick to the context, the obvious answer is that the rock is Peter's confession that Christ is the son of the living God, the truth on which the church is founded. And he and it references here Ephesians 2:20. It says Ephesians 2:20 teaches that the church is built on Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Its statement that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets refer not to them, but to the foundation laid in their teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. So that gives us a little bit of a rundown of that particular verse <clears throat> that we just read. But there's also something else at play here with regards to the location of which this was said and I want to really encourage you that if you are a, a student of the Word of God if you love to study God's Word and I'm telling you I, I get I uh, have great joy in studying the Word of God I love to dig as deep as I possibly can because every time you dig it's like an archaeologist it's like an, uh, an archaeological um, event you the more you scrape away or you know how they use those little brushes on sand and they can't really dig in there because it could it could um, damage whatever it is that they're looking for if they just brush it off all of a sudden something beautiful will come up and then they have to brush a little more and brush a little more until finally they see this treasure that has been hidden for millennia and that's how I see us studying God's Word right so location is important so when you search scripture I, I want you to get a Bible where you can or commentary where you can actually uh, dive into the culture of the day the location uh, what it meant to say certain things in that culture at that time and 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 whatnot anyway I, I, I get off topic I, I just wanted to encourage you about that because as we move on in this message I want you to get the meaning of what we're, t we're talking about today so the location of which uh, this was said now we're going to get back to that in just a moment so hang with me okay but the question that Jesus asks is uh, the spark to the proceedings of the conversation who do people say that the Son of Man is in other words who who are people saying that I am Jesus gets his disciples gathers them here in this particular location of Caesarea Philippi and he asks his disciples alright guys who do people say that I am and then after that he asks who do you say that I am but it sparks it sparks an interesting conversation you see status reputation honor and shame would determine what your life was like in ancient times it was the essence of who you were perhaps not so much today at, as the morals of our society and culture has declined a great deal since then but you see not only did or does a person's reputation and honor reflect them personally but it also determines the reputation of those around you nowadays having sex outside of marriage 
or having a child out of wedlock isn't much of a big deal for many in our time. But in times past, it was shameful. It was a shameful thing. And the woman brought much disgrace and hum hum humiliation to her entire family, to herself and to her entire family. She would be shunned and she would never be the same. So although according to God's word, one should keep themselves pure until marriage. I'm very old fashioned that way. You might want to call or toss that phrase old fashioned, but I, and, uh, I lean more towards believing the Bible. But I digress. As stated, the question Jesus asks sets the tone for the next powerful verses. Now, I'm going to have you put on your natural lenses and let's dive into some of the truths we'll discover in these statements. Let's look at the location of where this, this dialogue uh, took place. Jesus brings his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi, a place named after Caesar and Herod Philip. That was the Roman name. However, it's an area named in the Old Testament as Bashan. Okay? Canaanites believed Bashan contained gateways or portals to the underworld or hell, okay? Or gates of hell. In New Testament times, it had been the city of Pan or Panaeus, one of the Decapolis cities. The god of Pan was known as a gateway to the underworld. Okay, and you may recall, some of you may recall that have heard a recent table talk that I had, um, I want to say it was uh, sometime last month, maybe the month before, I'd have to go back, uh, with Dr. Laura Sanger, um, we briefly discussed this God named Pan, she explained a little bit about it, <clears throat> I recommend you listen to that interview on our YouTube channel or our podcast, um, it's been the most listened to table talk yet and I've done quite a few table talks uh, it's gotten about 600 views thus far and I, I I'm pretty sure that it'll continue to grow because she does have a, a pretty large audience and it's even on her website so for those of you that may be interested in uh, understanding a little bit more about her you can go to um, no longer enslaved.com and that's uh, also mentioned in that message that I had or that table talk that I had with Dr. Laura Sanger. On a side note, uh, please keep an eye on those table talks uh, and our Wednesday nights as well uh, because I do have very important uh, table talks lined up in the near future. So I encourage you to catch up on some of those uh, table talks that I've had in the past. But going back to um, <clears throat> what we were just discussing about this location, you see um, the disciples and those in that day were very well aware of that location and others, obviously, the location of, of where they were, the cities uh, and, and whatnot. So they were very well aware of Caesarea Philippi and exactly that mountain, that piece of rock that Jesus led the disciples to, they were very well aware of that. It, for our modern thinking, when we read scripture, when we read those scriptures, we think, oh, you know, it's just a city, uh, Caesarea Philippi, and we don't think anything of it. But 
when you look at the historical background, you begin to understand a little more. And so, to give you a piece of that historical background, uh, faithlifetv.com describes this location this way. It says, and I quote, Before there was a city in Caesarea Philippi, there was a spring. It flowed from a cave in the limestone bedrock and became a place of worship to the infamous Baal gods. After Alexander the Great's conquest of the region, 1,000 years of Hellenization transformed the culture. The spring and emerging city became the place of worship to the pagan god Pan. Pan was the goat-footed god of victory who created panic, okay, that's where we get the word panic from, in its enemies and the lord of desolate places. The spring was named Panias or Banias and was part of the headwaters for the Jordan River flowing south. So that's very important to understand. So eventually this place became known as Pan's Grotto. This god was represented with horns, a goat's beard, a crooked nose, pointed ears, a tail, and goat's feet. And that's why the early church described the devil with these features. The question is, why would Jesus bring his disciples to this particular location, this particular place? They had to have known the history of this place. Remember that everything that Jesus did was with purpose. So when Peter confesses, that Jesus is the Messiah, the true Son of God, that is Son with a capital S, hallelujah, he was making a proclamation that he is the unique Son of God. Not these other gods, not these demonic beings, or even any emperor for that matter, not Caesar, not Herod, None of them, not the god Pan, little g, God, not Baal, not any of them. So that was the proclamation that was being made right there on that rock, on that bedrock. You see, his statement set off a firestorm in the spiritual realm. Not that these entities were unaware of who Jesus was. Oh, they, they were aware. They knew who Jesus was. But it was to issue a decree, not just in the natural realm, it, but also in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. So another eye-opening key to this location is that Caesarea Philippi was located at the base of Mount Hermon or Hermon, some people say Hermon. <clears throat> that is very interesting. Let's look at that. In some of the Dead Sea Scrolls from Jesus' day, Mount Hermon was the place where the fallen sons of God rebelled, rebelled against Yahweh and descended to the earth before the flood. You have heard me teach on this uh, many a times where uh, they, uh, uh, the, the, um, 
fallen sons of God uh, saw upon the, the women, <clears throat> the human women, and then there was a race of giants called the Nephilim. We've discussed that before. We're not going to discuss it today, but that's what I'm talking about here. That occurred on Mount Hermon. Bashan and Hermon were basically ground zero for cosmic evil powers. Now, I know from further studies that to this day, demonic acts and sacrifices continue at the base of this mountain, Mount Hermon. It's in Israel. So, having that knowledge, picture this. Just picture it in your mind. <clears throat> Jesus was standing at Satan's front door together with his disciples, making a proclamation that he is the living son of God in the same area where an angelic rebellion took place. It was a strategic, a brilliant strategic move. Hallelujah. And on top of that, he announced that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Therefore, Jesus proclaims that he was building his church. You and I and all of those who would come into covenant with Jesus and that neither hell nor any demonic force would be able to prevail against his church, against us. That is, that is right there a, a moment to stop for a minute, give God praise, stand up and shout, clap your hands, I mean, get the tambourines, whatever it is that you want to get and just shout hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that. And to put icing on top of the cake, just for good measure, Jesus declares that he is giving the disciples and his church, that's us, authority over the demonic realm. Jesus, being the head of the church, the chief cornerstone grants his church the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And we now have the authority in his name to bind and to loose. Somebody say amen to this. Glory to God. Now the reference to keys of the kingdom is associated with binding and has to do with overpowering Satan and loosing the person who was in bondage. You see, in Revelation 20, we read that an, that an angel is seen coming down from heaven at the end of the age, holding a key to the bottomless pit with a great chain. In Revelation 1.18, the risen Jesus says, I have the keys of death and Hades. If you are a member of God's kingdom, everybody raise your hand. If you're a member of God's kingdom, if you are in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, I am, I'm that person. If you're a member of God's kingdom, you are therefore in Christ and you will have eternal life. You will conquer death. Amen. 
You see, we, we, this will die, this flesh will die, but our spirit lives on. We have eternal life and we will be with the Lord. Amen. Forever, forever and ever. Hallelujah. Therefore, Satan now no longer has legal claim over you. Hallelujah. His claim on you is broken. He no longer has a hold on you. We have the authority to bind and to loose because Jesus has given it and we are residents of the kingdom of God. Glory to God. We see demonstrations of power over demons over and over again in the New Testament. We see Jesus delivering people all the time of demonic oppression. But that doesn't mean it ended when Jesus resurrected from the grave. Jesus' words still ring true today in the year 2022 and beyond. Amen? Now, the term binding and loosing refers to the authority we have over the supernatural powers of darkness. There are passages that use these terms. Second Temple material do use the terms binding demons or exercising demons and loosing demoniacs or delivering that person. It refers to the binding of Satan or satanic beings, demons, and the loosing of their victims. Other extra-biblical Second Temple reference material also has these terms of binding and loosing referring to demons. To bind or to cast out is the same meaning. Okay? Now listen to this. After Jesus sends out the 72, or in some manuscripts it says 70, which that in and of itself has significance, but that's for that's another message for another day and another time but <clears throat> they returned rejoicing saying lord even the demons are subject to us in your name you can find that in luke uh, chapter 10 specifically in verse 17 when the disciples that jesus had dispersed the 72 or 70 he he disperses them they come back and they they are so excited at the fact that demons are subject to to them in the name of Jesus. So basically they were casting out demons. They had authority over demons the same way that Jesus had. Amen. Again, Matthew 16, 19, Jesus states, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Loosing takes place when the person who was being demonically influenced or tormented or possessed, etc., is now loosed and freed. We can also loose uh, certain things uh, and it'll be loosed in heaven. But uh, in any case, there are countless scriptures that we can list here. I'll give you one really good example, which is the deliverance of the woman spoken of in uh, Luke 13, you can go back and read the entire story. Uh, this is the woman that was bent over uh, and couldn't straighten up. I remember many, many years ago, I gave a uh, preaching about uh, this message, a message about that uh, uh, specific um, story. <clears throat> it was a powerful message. But for 18 years, she suffered this affliction. She was bent over. She couldn't straighten up. And the Bible describes her as having had a disabling spirit. 
a disabling spirit. Jesus calls her out and in verse 12 he says, Woman, you are freed from your disability. The Bible says that immediately she was made straight. And in Luke 13, 16, Jesus makes this statement. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Did you notice the same verbiage? Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You see, Satan had her bound, but Jesus set her free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, <clears throat> to start kind of wrapping this up, and I hope that you've gleaned some new information, maybe that you didn't have before. What does all of this have to do with our series on perspective? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm challenging you to remove your natural lenses and begin to understand the supernatural truth and to dig deeper into God's Word. Gosh, I, I feel sometimes that I sound like a broken record because I'm constantly saying that. I'm I'm like blue in my face saying that over and over and over again. And I know that some, sometimes it may fall on deaf ears, but I'm constantly praying that these messages will fall on good soil and produce much fruit. What that means is that I want you to study God's Word. I want you to have an intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just Sundays, you guys. Every single day of your life, Get up early, meet with the Lord Jesus, meet with the Father, meet with the Holy Spirit. It's a divine appointment and you cannot afford to miss that appointment ever, ever. And to study God's Word, don't just read it like a regular book. Dig deep, you guys. Dig deep and study things like this. Like, you know, if you read a certain scripture and there is a question, get, it, get your, your, your journal, get a piece of paper, write that question down so that you can later look into it and search scriptures out yourself. I am challenging you to do so because when you do, your walk with God will enrich it in such a beautiful way. And I'm telling you right now, you'll never be the same. I'm not the same person I was a year ago. I'm not the same person I was five months ago. Why? Because I dig deep every day and I, and I try my very best, my very best to di decipher the Word of God according to what the Holy Spirit wants to show me. And I bring it to you. Amen? I bring it to you. And so when we view God's Word from the angle of the supernatural, we draw a better understanding of what God meant when He said what He said or commanded what He commanded 
and we can discern and uh, the mindset and culture of ancient times as well. Listen, when you understand some of the things that God said and why he said them and why he commanded certain things that may sound to you like you really don't understand why and you just brush over those scripture verses. But I'll tell you something. If someone were to challenge you about the word of God, would you be able to stand upright and explain why that's written in God's word and why God commanded that? You see what I mean? So, did you know that many things were hidden about Jesus in the Old Testament? Because if the rebellious spiritual realm would have known God's plan all along, they would have never crucified Jesus. Many things were written in the word about the coming of Christ, but some of it was written in language that was obscure to those that didn't have the Holy Spirit and also obscure to the demonic realm. Even the prophets didn't know, but we now know. We now know. Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 6 through 8. It says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. If you opened up your word in your Bible in that scripture verse, I want you to underline that, those, uh, those um, words. And verse 7 says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Verse 8 says, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would, have not, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The rulers of this age could be referring to both human rulers and demonic spirit beings. I tend to lean more towards the reference of spirit beings. If the demonic realm would have known that Jesus was to resurrect, they would have never influenced their human puppets to kill him. Prophecies of Jesus' coming dying and resurrecting is sprinkled all over the Old Testament, yet it wasn't understood until Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. I like to see it as Satan and his demons running for cover when the third day came. Can you imagine that? That's exactly what happened. It's like, uh-oh, what happened here? This was not what we planned. So for too long, the church has had a truncated view of the supernatural view of the Bible. I like how L.A. Marzulli always uh, describes it, and that's exactly what he says. The church has had a truncated view of the supernatural view of the Bible. It's time to open up our spiritual eyes and see so that we may not be deceived. Remember Jesus says in Matthew 24, be not deceived. So we need to understand these things that we may not be deceived. Many things are happening in our world today that we may not explain entirely. However, however, we know this. Jesus came to make atonement for our sins thereby giving us direct access to the Father through Him. Amen? He came to defeat the enemy and all his cohorts 
reconcile us back to the Father by bringing the Gentile nations back to Him and give us authority over the forces of darkness. He's given us, His church, the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all powers of the enemy. And that day at Caesarea Philippi, at the gate of the underworld, at the base of Mount Hermon, where an angelic rebellion against Yahweh took place many thousands of years before, a decree was made to all those entities that Jesus is the Son of the living God and that He was establishing His church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Glory to God. Will you stand with me, those of you that are at church in service this morning? Praise the name of the Lord. I know that Pastor Randy will be coming up and uh, playing something in the keyboard as our church stands. And for those of you that are listening online, I pray to God that this gave you a little taste, a little nugget of what you can find in Scripture. And that it'll, it'll excite you to dig deeper. Because when we do, we find why Jesus did the things He did. Said the things He said. And went to the places that He went. Now the Word begins to come alive even more, doesn't it? It's all about perspective. What angle are you viewing the Word of God from. By obtaining insight into the supernatural worldview of the Bible, we gain a greater revelation, and that, ladies and gentlemen, equips us to run this race. I commit to doing my very best to bring you revelatory teachings such as these, and many, many more that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about, but I have to take it slow. I have to I have to gather the information. I have to study. So pray for me. Pray for your pastor. Pray for Pastor Ricky. Pray for our ministers as we gather uh, what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal to us to bring to the congregation in these times. But I commit to doing my very best to bring you revelatory teachings. But I encourage you to search out scriptures yourself and to study the Word of God like you've never studied it before. Before I go, I want to open up our altars at our church for anyone that is in need of prayer this morning. And uh, even for those of you that are listening online, I don't want you to tune out uh, just because we're closing here because this pertains to you as well. Even if you're listening online, if you need prayer, would you come in agreement with us uh, this morning as we come in agreement with you and pray for you. I want you I want to ask you if you feel you've been afflicted in any way shape or form or if you want to come up for prayer to stand for someone else that may be going through something uh, we invite you to come up to the altars and as our ministerial team begins to come up to pray for you uh, I want to close in prayer for those of you that may be in need of prayer. And I don't want um, those that are coming up to the altar to, you know, go back to your seats because the ministers are going to pray over you uh, this morning. Before we do that, um, I want to ask those of you that are there in church and those of you that are watching 
um, this online or those of you that will hear this message in the future. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't have an intimate relationship with Him, and you would say to me this morning, you know, Pastor Yvette, I'd love to, um, I'd love to have that relation, that kind of a relationship with Jesus. It's very simple, ladies and gentlemen. All you have to do is open your heart, believe that God sent Jesus, His only Son, to die on a cruel cross for us, for our sins and for our shame and he took it upon himself to do so but he died and it didn't end there he resurrected on the third day and right now he is seated at the right hand of god no other god no other little g god no other entity will ever and has ever done anything like that for us only jesus so will you put your trust in jesus today just say this simple prayer and say father in jesus name i open up my heart to you and I ask you to be my master and to be my Lord and to be my savior. Forgive me of my sins for they are many. And I thank you that you wash me clean and you make me white as snow. I invite you into my life. And I ask the Holy Spirit to teach me the ways of the Lord that I may serve him every day. In Jesus mighty name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you're at our church this morning and you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to come up and get prayed for by our ministers. Let them know that you said that prayer, whether you said it for the very first time or whether you just recommitted your life back to Jesus. We'd love to know about that. And if you're hearing this online and you did that very same thing, we would love to hear from you as well. I want to just uh, let you know that our website is wordoffaithglobal.org. Please send us an email and let us know what you need prayer for and we would love to come in agreement with you. But for those of you at our church that may still be coming up, we pray for you. I pray right now as our ministers are ready to uh, lay hands on you or come in agreement with you. I pray, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I'm lifting up every single person that is up on the altars. Father God, everyone that is listening online, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray, Lord, that you will give them a supernatural experience with you, Father. I pray that when they spend their intimate time with you, whether it be in the morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever is best for them, Lord, I know you're going to meet them where they're at. And I pray, Father, that you will whisper into their ear, whisper into their spirit, man, the secret things, the deep things of your word, that they may understand it in a supernatural sense, Lord. And Father, that their relationship with you will grow in a deeper and powerful way. I pray blessings upon blessings upon every single one of them right now. And I pray, Father, if they need a breakthrough in their lives, if they need healing, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray for healing. I pray for restorations of marriages. I pray right now for restorations of relationships, in Jesus' mighty name. I pray right now for healing from the top of their head to the very soles of their feet. I pray right now, Father, for those that have been dealing with addiction, that it would be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. I pray, Heavenly Father, for that, uh, that demonic spirit of addiction that has had a hold on so many people's lives. We bind it right now in Jesus' mighty name, and we declare and we decree that they are loosed 
in the name of Jesus and they are free from that demonic oppression in Jesus mighty and precious name right now right this minute I decree that they are in their right mind that they are in their sound mind in the name of Jesus we cast out all fear in Jesus name for you have not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind we receive that word today father God in Jesus precious and holy name amen and amen and amen give God glory and honor hallelujah hallelujah it's been great being with you this morning and so we'll see you again next Sunday tune in once again again I say to those that are at our church stay there up at the altars if you'd like to come up and even after we are done here if you'd like to come and just uh, seek out prayer from one, one of our ministry ministers. Well, God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you once again very, very soon. Stay tuned for another great message this coming Wednesday and then also next Sunday. God bless you. Take care. We love you. Take care.